This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Hello, everyone. Do you realize how hard it is for kids with dyslexia and other learning differences to take standardized tests? Welcome to episode 41 of Dyslexia Devoted, and today we are talking about how to prepare for standardized tests for kids with learning differences. Also, I wanted to share another documentary I found, which apparently I'm on a total educational documentary kick, and this one is all about ADHD. And since dyslexia often comes with ADHD as well, I thought you guys might be interested in it. The documentary is called The Disruptors, And I was able to rent it on Amazon totally for free, actually, just because I did some of those don't priority ship, send it whenever you feel like it kind of orders. And I had enough credits just to rent it for free. So that's an option if you want to be able to get it for free. If you are already one of those people that orders way too much on Amazon like I do. And one of the reasons I really liked this documentary is that it pointed out the differences between ADHD and boys and girls. And it also showed ADHD starting at about age four-ish all the way up through middle school and aiming into high school, which I thought was a great age range to show what ADHD can look like in different kinds of kids at different age levels. And before we jump into this week's podcast, I would absolutely love if you share it with a friend or educator that you know. This episode is brought to you by Little O. And in case you haven't listened to episode 25 yet, she was one of my little success stories that I shared earlier in episode 25. And she saw that I had some blank space on my calendar and she picked this week's topic for you. So remember, you can always send me your request of what you guys want to hear about. So this week's request is coming from a kiddo. She and I have done plenty of test prep together, so she knows all about it and she knows that I know about it. So she thought you guys should learn about it too. Okay, so as we get started, the first thing we need to talk about are the different types of standardized testing that a student might need to take. Because, well, there's many different kinds of standardized tests. Some of them are the annual state assessments that kids are required to take in public schools. Some assessments are for kids to apply to go to different schools, typically for private schools. And others are benchmarks for kids to show progress over time, typically at the beginning, middle, and end of the school year, or sometimes just the beginning and end of the school year, depending on which testing system your school uses. So of these kinds of tests, some of them are required and some are not. And then one thing to keep in mind is that sometimes you're led to believe that they're required when they're actually not. For example, a lot of times the state testing, you can actually waive the requirement to do standardized testing, especially if a child has learning differences. 
typically you have to formally request that in writing. And I've seen many families choose to do this when their child is several years behind grade level and the annual state testing isn't going to do anything except cause unnecessary stress for the child that the parents already know is well below grade level. It doesn't actually serve any educational purposes. The teachers don't use those assessments to formulate instruction or anything. It is just a benchmark for the state to measure a school's success rate. So a lot of times schools don't tell you that you can actually opt out of this testing when really you can. So if it is something that you know is really upsetting to your child and is not actually going to benefit them educationally whatsoever, know that a lot of times you do have the right to opt out of those kinds of testings. So no matter what test it is, you need to tell the child what is at stake. Is there anything at stake? For example, some of that state testing, nothing happens to the kid based on the results of that assessment a lot of times. Every once in a while, certain schools do have certain requirements that you must pass a certain level or you get retained the following year. So make sure you do your homework so you give your child the real honest answer as to whether this test really matters or not. Because I do know in certain states, if you don't pass the reading assessment by third grade, then you do get retained and held back in third grade again. So make sure you know if there are consequences to poor performance on a particular assessment before you talk to the kids about it. Now let's talk about what some of the other consequences are. Sometimes there's no consequence whatsoever for their real life if they fail an assessment. Sometimes it determines if a child gets into the school or not. So if a kid really wants to get into the school, they have to know they have to try their best or they may not get in if they don't do well on this one test. Or is it just a placement test that determines the level of coursework they get put into? Or if they don't give their best effort, they're going to be bored out of their mind in class next year because they just guessed on the test when really they could have done a lot better. So make sure no matter what the outcome is of the assessment that the student knows what it is. One thing that I often point out to my students is that certain tests intentionally have harder questions than the students could ever really answer correctly. A lot of times you'll see this on an assessment that is meant for multiple age levels because what they expect a fifth grader to do is not the same thing as what they expect the sixth grader to do on that exact same assessment. Sometimes they put harder questions on there that it will help them identify if a student, for example, is gifted if it's on a placement test and this student is scoring way above what is typical. That is sometimes used to put a student into things like honor classes and things like that. So if you have a child with learning differences who's likely to not end up in those honors classes, we have to make sure that the kids know that we don't expect them to get every problem right. We have to let them know that it's okay to get something wrong and that they're put on the test knowing that most of the kids are probably going to get that question wrong. It's just to give a little push for some of those kids who just on a slight chance might get it right. One thing you need to do is warn the kids that there are going to be some questions that they have no idea what the answer is, and that's totally okay. We teach them, don't stress out about it. It's okay if you don't know the answer to this problem, but don't let the stress of this problem also make you get the next problem wrong too, just because you're freaking out. We want the students to know that they have other choices if they don't know the answer. They can narrow it down because there's always answers that could not possibly be correct because they wouldn't make any sense at all. And a lot of times kids with dyslexia, even if they aren't the greatest readers, they have pretty good logic brains and they can tell you, wait a minute, that answer wouldn't make any sense at all. There's no way that could be true. That can really help them narrow it down so that they have a better chance of getting it right, even if they're not certain as to exactly which answer it is. Now that the student knows what kind of test it is and they know what to expect and what the consequences are, you need to determine what your testing plan is. While students are entitled to accommodations, it's often overlooked until the last minute. I can't even tell you the number of times a school has forgotten to give a kid their accommodations. Not because they don't want to, but have you ever tried administering assessments these days, especially now that they're on computers and devices all the time? There is always something glitching at the very last minute 
somebody's test won't unlock, somebody unlocked the wrong test and did the math test instead of the reading test, and all sorts of debacles happen. And so when we are trying to do this testing, it's not that the educators don't want to give the accommodations, it's that there's just a lot going on surrounding getting ready to even administer the test to the class in general, not even counting the kids who need those special accommodations. So here are some things that you need to do to make sure it goes as smoothly as possible for your child. At least a week before the testing, make sure you clarify what the testing plan is. At least a week before the assessment, make sure you clarify what the testing plan is for your particular child based on their accommodation plan. So do they need to take that assessment in a different space? Because remember, it takes time and coordination to make sure there is a space with an adult supervising that a kid can go take their test somewhere different. What about their extended time? Most of the time, kids with dyslexia qualify for extended time. Now, does that happen right away? Does the student just keep staying in their class when the other kids get to leave? Do the students take a break when all the rest of the kids leave the class and then they come back and do it again? Are they going to do the entire test all in one sitting or are they going to get breaks in between? And because they need this special accommodation, is their test even going to happen on the same day as their classmates? I know a lot of times some kids will actually take their test on a different day when there are more staff available to give them the appropriate accommodations. So make sure you know ahead of time what that plan is. Or if the student's supposed to get the questions read to them, when is that happening? What time of day? Because you know they're not going to get those questions read to them in the middle of a classroom with 25 other kids taking the same test. That's not going to happen that way. It needs to happen in a separate space by a separate teacher usually. Another thing is one of the accommodations a lot of times kids with dyslexia will get is the use of a calculator because they can't rapidly remember their math facts. Well, you need to make sure, is there a set type of calculator they're supposed to use? Because I've definitely seen kids get turned away their use of a calculator because they had too fancy of a calculator and they might cheat and put answers in there or something crazy. Like, I don't know any 10-year-old that knows how to put the answers to a standardized test in their calculator. But, you know, sometimes they have crazy rules when they have these standardized assessments. Sometimes scratch paper is also an accommodation, so make sure that your child knows to ask for that sometimes. You don't necessarily need a whole different testing setting, but they need to at least remember to ask or the teacher just plain might forget. You also want to check in to see if they get to write directly in the test booklet instead of on a separate score sheet. A lot of times kids have trouble lining up the right questions to the right answers on the answer page, so sometimes one of the accommodations is they get to write their answer directly in the test booklet. So make sure you know what the possible accommodations are for your testing situation and make sure you have a plan in advance to make sure all those things are taken care of. Otherwise, I've seen kids score significantly lower than they otherwise could when they aren't given the right accommodations. And that kind of nulls and voids what the assessment is really measuring when they weren't given the correct accommodations. One last standardized assessment thing that we need to think about is also writing prompts. A lot of times when students are applying to schools, in addition to there being a bubble fill in the answer multiple choice kind of test, there's often also a writing component. So make sure that your child knows in advance if they have a writing prompt that they're supposed to answer. Giving students a chance to practice writing prompts can be a significant part of that assessment prep time. Students need a lot of chances to practice how do I write everything I want to say within a 30 minute time window or whatever the requirement is, you know, factoring in extended time if they get it or whatnots. A lot of time kids with dyslexia struggle with getting started on their writing. They don't even know where to begin. So making sure that they get plenty of chances to fail without consequences when they're doing just some practiced writing prompts, when nothing really happens to them, you know, outside of the real testing situation, we want to mimic what does the testing situation look like so it doesn't become so stressful when it really does happen. 
Many times students struggle with organizing their ideas when they have to be answering a writing prompt. So we want to make sure that we teach them how to write in a logical order. Show them how to restate the question in their answer. For example, if it says, tell me the most fantastic summer you've ever had, teach them to start their essay with, the most fantastic summer I ever had was when... And just something simple like that is a nice little prompt to tell them how to formulate a sentence out of a question. It seems pretty intuitive, but we have to remember kids with dyslexia, it's a language-based learning difference, so anything that requires the use of language and words tends to trip them up. It is not just seeing letters backwards or anything crazy like that. It is really how their brain processes language and formulates their thoughts and ideas into clear, coherent sentences. So we need to teach them the tricks like recycling the question into their sentence to get them off onto a good start. We also need to teach them how to outline their ideas and expand and give details on them. A lot of times the kids will kind of jump all around with all their different ideas, so we want to teach them how to cluster their ideas into the ones that make sense to go together. And these are best done in, you know, low-stakes environments where they get to write about something super fun. So whenever I do these writing prompts, I try to pick things that I know they would actually enjoy writing about. And then as we get closer to the test day, then we will do a writing prompt that is not so fun, but more likely one they will actually see on their testing situation so that that way they've had some chances to practice. After they've done some practice writing, then you start giving them some feedback and teaching them how do we clarify their point, teaching them where are the parts they might want to add more detail, and then making sure no matter what, you always praise the good stuff. Remind them of all the fantastic things that they did. It is so crucial that we don't get all stuck in the weeds and getting nitpicky on every single little detail of things that may have been a mistake on their writing and make sure that we point out how fantastic their ideas were, pointing out the really strong sentences, pointing out which ones are your favorite and why they're your favorite and telling them what they did really well. We want to make sure we keep reinforcing all the things they're doing well and not just nitpicking on all the things that are problems. All right, time to recap our episode for today. We talked about the different types of testing and the importance of telling the students what the stakes are involved. Does passing this assessment mean they do or don't get into their favorite new school? Does this assessment mean that the state gets a score and nothing happens to the kid? Does this assessment mean they get placed in a particular level of coursework at their new school? So make sure they know what the consequences are, or if there's no consequences at all, that all you care is they try their best and it really doesn't mean anything. Making sure that the kids know going into it, the level of importance and what they need to do. Then we talked about determining the testing plan and making sure all the appropriate accommodations are in place well in advance of the assessment so it doesn't get forgotten by busy teachers and school staff at the last minute. And then don't forget to practice with essay prompts. A lot of times benchmark assessments or the application to get into a new school will include an essay prompt. So make sure the kids aren't blindsided by that and they've had some chances to practice their writing preferably on topics they greatly enjoy, and pointing out all of the fantastic things they've done, not nitpicking on every tiny little mistake. Okay, before we go, don't forget, go share this podcast with a friend or educator that you know, and keep spreading the word about dyslexia. And I will link the documentary that I mentioned in the show notes where you're listening to this right now. Or don't forget, if you join the Dyslexia Devoted newsletter at parnelleducation.com forward slash email, then I will send the links to our podcast resources that I talk about all the time because I don't know about you, but I listen in my car where I'm not exactly writing notes of the things I want to go check out later. So it's super helpful if you just get it in your inbox and you can click on the links as I mention them. And that newsletter goes out every Thursday. All right, that's it. I'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Join us for our next episode by subscribing to this podcast as we devote each episode to different aspects of dyslexia. See you next time.